Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... Mr. Corbs! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! There was once a cock and a hen who wanted to take a journey together. So, the cock built a beautiful carriage, which had four red wheels, and he harnessed four mice to it. <gasps> the Wait! He- is this the... Well, okay, maybe I'm jumping ahead. Is this the, the previous nut carriage? That's what I'm wondering. Hey, easy, tiger. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Backtrack. The hen seated herself in it with the cock, and they drove away together. Uh, well, maybe. No, that was a... I mean... It could be. The duck got away down the river. It's not, because... I think this is a proper carriage. I think he's... has got red wheels. Yeah, he pulled it out of the bag. He's really gone for it this yes, time. Yes, got red right. wheels. Okay. Not long afterwards, they met a cat who said, Where are you going? The cock replied, Oh, we're going to the house of Mr. Corbs. Oh, take me with you, said the cat. The cock answered, Most willingly, get up behind, lest you fall off in front. D- uh, take care not to dirty my little red wheels. And you little wheels, roll on, and you little mice, pipe out, as we go forth on our way to the house of Mr. Corbs. Okay, he loves those wheels. After this came a millstone, then an egg, (laughs) then a duck, then a pin, and at last a needle, who all (gasps) seated themselves in the carriage and drove with them. Is it their old friends? We got the duck. Is it the same duck? I don't know. Let's mull on that later. When, however, they reached the house of Mr. Corbs, Mr. Corbs was not there. The mice drew the carriage into the barn, the hen flew with the cock upon a perch, the cat sat down by the hearth, the duck on the sink, the egg rolled itself into a towel. <laughs> rolled itself into a Rolled sack. itself. That is a clever... Can you imagine witnessing that? <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> okay, nice. The pin stuck itself into the chair cushion, the needle jumped onto the bed in the middle of the pillow, and the millstone laid itself over the door. Then Mr. Corbs came home. <gasps> so where, is, where are all the... I lost uh, track of that. Are they breaking... Okay. They, did they break in? They broke in. Yeah, he, he wasn't there. So, do you remember where everything is? Yes, the eggs in a towel. I know that much. <laughs> That's the most important <laughs> thing to remember. The pin... Oh, okay. Now I'm, I'm going to get confused between the pin and the needle. I mean no offence by that. But one of the... I think it's the pin is in the chair. The needle's in the pillow. Yeah. Millstones on the door. I don't know where the cock and the hen are. Where's the cat? (laughs) (laughs) Livid. The cat is on the hearth. The duck is on the sink. Uh, Uh, That's it, yeah. Okay, right. Mr. Corbs is home. Where are the cock and the hen? They're on a perch. Oh, that's right. They're witnessing the whole thing. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Corbs went to the hearth and he was about to light the fire when the cat threw a quantity of ashes in his face. (laughs) Quantity? Quantity? How much? (laughs) He ran into the kitchen in a great hurry to wash it off, and the duck splashed some water in his face. <laughs> he wa- he, then he wanted to dry it with the towel, but the egg rolled up against him, broke and glued up his eyes. <laughs> Whoa! 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 It rolled up against him and glued up his eyes. He wanted to rest, and he sat down in the chair, but then the pin pricked him. Oh, he fell into a passion and threw himself on his bed. But as soon as, <laughs> but as, soon as he laid his head on the pillow, the needle pricked him. 
so that he screamed aloud and was just going to run out into the wide world in his rage when he came to the door and the millstone leapt down and struck him dead. <gasps> Whoa! Mr. Corbs must have been a very wicked man. The end. feel like you were you hadn't even settled into the story no i hadn't i wasn't really given a chance no um but these this, these characters don't give you a chance they just they're going nuts all the time so we've met these characters before haven't so we, we have yeah um, so this is part two of the adventures of chanticleer and partlet part one was how they went to the mountain to eat nuts <laughs> yeah uh and this one is they go to visit mr corbs yes and there's one more part to come yeah, which i can't wait for so this yeah we this was the pack the first one was the pack of ragamuffins which we had a few episodes ago and you were so hooked i was these characters are amazing um we were very curious what happened in the house of mr corbs i mean <laughs> Everybody must have been intrigued when they heard that episode because what what do, what is not to love about these characters? And you think they're going yeah. to meet a man called Mister Corbs? What is going to happen? Turns out, very similar things to last time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've proven themselves ragamuffins, haven't they? <laughs> they really have. They're prof- that was nasty business. That was. So, th- yeah, it feels like some of the characters may be revisiting, like recurring characters from last time. Yeah, the duck, the pin, and the needle. I like obviously to think Chanticleer and Partlet. Obviously, they're, they're the main main characters. Yeah. So, just to be clear, first of all, if you haven't listened to the pack of ragamuffins, stop everything yeah, now. Yeah, Pretend yeah, yeah. you haven't heard what you heard and go back and listen. But uh, when it, this these Brothers Grimm stories were translated into English originally, they were given the names Chanticleer and Partlet mm-hmm. and put into a trilogy. Whereas originally the stories were all spread out throughout the Brothers Grimm's fairy tales. So that's right. why we call them Chanticleer and Partlet, because they are Chanticleer and Partlet. Yeah. So they are, they are the main recurring characters. Inimitable. <laughs> the, the inimitable <laughs> Chanticleer and Partlet. Uh, but we've also got the duck, the pin and the needle, who I like to think are the same. I like to but think so, But we've got yeah. some new uh, cheeky yeah, chappies. So the cat's new. The, the cat. millstone is new. And also, and they weren't mentioned again, but the mice towing the carriage yes. are new as well. They are uh, previously, the duck towed the yeah. carriage. The mice, um, they harnessed, they, they took the carriage into the barn and they just stayed there. Oh, okay. They didn't get involved. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah, so I think last time you were thinking, or we were speculating that they might redeem themselves after what happened, after robbing the innkeeper. Sure. Instead, they doubled down. did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It gets worse. Yeah. They've killed a man. Yeah, basically. I mean, what was the worst thing that happened to the innkeeper? He got scratched on his face and sat on a pin. Yeah. And when he, like, the eggshell flicked in his eyes. Yeah. Basically, that was it, I think. That was it, yeah, that's true. Oh, and he didn't get his money for the room. Yeah. But, you know. This man lost his life. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more than that. And I think, as well, because you asked where they were, where Chanticleer and Partlet were. They flew up on a perch. They weren't actually involved in the violence. That's true. They weren't involved. They ju- just hmm. watched. And I think that almost makes it worse. 
little bit. They've sort of set this up and they're just watching, enjoying themselves. Yeah, they're like mob bosses. <laughs> <laughs> they're not getting their hands dirty, but... Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. The, the mice go in the, in the barn. Yeah. The cat throws the ash in his face. But a, then, a quantity. Yeah, quantity. An unknown quantity. That really blew your mind. <laughs> it could one. be a gram, a pound, a litre. Who knows? They could have said some. Some, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. yeah. Then the duck. So this is interesting, I thought. Yes. I mean, it's not really. Uh, to be honest, no, it's, it not, interesting. it's not interesting, really, in the grand scheme of things. But what I thought was interesting no, is... No, this is interesting. The duck splashed some water in his face. Yeah. But that is what Mr. Corbs wanted. So actually, in the That's whole... Um, the duck's the, innocent. The duck's innocent. Or is he... It's because he wanted to wash his face, and the duck's like, you want to wash your face, do you? Have some of that. <laughs> he just gets his wing. I can just picture it. He's yeah. perched on the side of the sink, splashes the water in his face. But ultimately, that's what he wanted. So then Mr. Cobb's like, yeah, okay. No, fair, cheers for that, yeah, ducky. Right. And I'm gonna go. Then the next thing that happens blows my mind, right? As far as I can work out, the egg rolls out of the towel. What happens there? Does he does he blow up in his face? I don't think it says he rolls out of the towel. He's like, <laughs> rolled up in the towel? <laughs> Rolling out well, of the towel. What does he do if he doesn't roll out of the I towel? I feel like, so he's in the towel. Yeah. Mr. Corbs, like, crushes the egg against his own face. <laughs> no, but the egg does it. Well, that's interesting as well, because what... It, it, and glues his eye shut. In my head, yeah, he's crushed the towel it, against his face. Imagine that. that would You would be gutted, eyes. wouldn't you? If you want to dry your face and you end up smashing an egg into your eyes. And gluing your eyes shut. Yeah. I'm not sure how an egg glues your eyes, but it's my favourite part of the whole story. <laughs> an egg rolled itself in a towel and glued Mr. Corbs' eyes together. And then he th- was thrown into a passion and threw himself onto the he bed. just furious. Can you picture this guy? He's just smashed an egg into his face, glued his eyes shut, mm. and he hurls himself onto the bed. Like, ah! <laughs> And then he gets pricked in the head. Yeah. Ah, That's nasty. That's horrible. But then... Then uh, things get worse. They do get worse, to be fair. He gets crushed by a millstone. To death. Yeah. So we thought it was bad last time. This is worse. Yeah. They've murdered someone. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) basically. Well, I mean, I can't believe you haven't said this yet. Your, Your sort of catchphrase. That's weird. Right? It's really weird. It's... Completely insane. Yes, of course it is. I actually think that is the most insane story we've <gasps> ever had. Big words. I uh... think it is absurd. I mean, it is absurd. <laughs> Can you imagine if we started Grim Reading with that story? Can you imagine <laughs> if we'd accidentally chosen that as the first one? Yeah. I think we're kind of used to it now. We're numb a little bit. Yeah. It still blows our minds, but we are used to it and we know the characters. Yeah. But take that story in isolation, and it is separate in the body of work, in the book. It's not next to it. It doesn't say part one, two, three. It's a separate story. So you could just open the book at that page. Sure. There's like just the setup of a cock and a hen with some mice, and then the red wheels, and then a a cat, and then all this stuff. Red wheels, yeah. Yeah, I know. He's really proud of his red wheels. But just, and then they go, and then they kill someone. Just like, and that's the end of the story. To no end, again. It's just. I finished that and I was like, no, what? No, don't leave me there, please. I don't know, do you, not, do you think we've had more insane stories than that? Uh, do you think the fact that there's a through line, that there's going to be a, a final part of the story changes it? I mean, maybe I'm biased because I love these characters. I think, okay, so ones that strike me as absolutely insane would be the blood sausage. Yeah, that's true. I that was kind that of one. insane. I forgot The juniper one. tree in parts yeah. is nuts. Yes, Okay, agreed. 
But even the the blood and, sausage and the story of the youth. To be honest, yeah. But all of those stories though have a narrative arc. They do. This doesn't. This is just they go to a house and they kill someone. That's it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like even the blood sausage like he's been invited to dinner, so he goes round. Then he like gets scared and then he runs. And oh, it was good that he ran. There's a kind of there's a narrative. What's the narrative here? Oh, let's go. They say they first say let's go for a ride. Then the cat gets in the carriage. Then they say, we're going to Mr. Corbs. Well, no, no. Earlier you said you're just going for a ride. Now you're saying you're going to Mr. Corbs. Who is Mr. Corbs? I don't know. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. Who's Mr. Corbs? I don't know, Adam. Who's Mr. Corbs? Well, he's dead now. Well, I think we can presume that they already knew who he was, right? Yeah. Because they said, we're going to Mr. Corbs. They know Mr. Corbs. So is this vengeance? Has Mr. Corbs wronged them in some way? Is Mr. Corbs the innkeeper? No. (laughs) I've answered my own question now. (laughs) So... To me, it feels so bizarre. It kind of feels like it was made up on the spot. Hmm. Like, I think the person telling the story to the Grimms, they have this audience. They're like, let's hear it. Let's hear some stories. The Grimms are there with their notebook. They're going to like write this down, the yeah. German stories. And then they tell the story, the pack of ragamuffins. Yeah. And they go, oh, and that's, you know, and the ducks swam away and la, 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 they left. Yeah. And everyone was like, Woo, that's amazing. Tell us another one. Tell us another. We want more. We, we want, want more. more. And they were like, uh, okay. Um, so they're in another carriage. Oh, and then some more things get on board. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, and then they then they just kind of they're making it up. And then they go too far, and Mr. Corbus is killed, <laughs> and everyone just goes silent. And they're like, oh, maybe I went too far there. So they're like, uh, Mr. Corbus must have been a very wicked man. Yeah, just thrown in at the end. A bit jarring, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. That's, that's what I felt Although, after reading that. I just felt this is just, like, doesn't make any sense. Do you think sense. it's an acceptable sequel, then, to The Nut Mountain? Don't get me wrong. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I think often we uh, score highly the stories that are just insane. And I personally think that is one of the most insane. And I like the fact they doubled down. Yeah. That, that these are bad people. I thought the cat was going to have a bigger role. Right. So initially, there's mice pulling the carriage, and a cat stops, and they're like, "Hop in, cat!" And I thought, "Ah, okay, I see where this is going." Well, and he's going to eat. He's going to eat all of them. I thought, "Oh, all of them? Yeah, yeah." Yeah, I I thought, "Come, you know, come with us, sure." And it's like, "Oh, don't you know, the strangers uh, don't give a cat a lift because they'll eat you." Yeah. No, Cat was just uh, the first of many passengers. Yeah. (laughs) So who is Mr. Corp? Do you have any idea who Mr. Corp? No idea. Herr Corbs, he's just a bloke. <laughs> There's no clue given in the story as to who he could be. No. No, absolutely no clue at all. Okay. Who is he? Tell me. I don't know. Oh, I thought you might know. No, I've no idea. I thought you were about to say, well... <laughs> no. My research tells me that <laughs> no. Corbs was a name given to... <laughs> well, I couldn't... Okay, all right. I did have a look at the name Corbs. I couldn't find... I couldn't even find the meaning of the name. Okay. But what I did find, <laughs> go on, is that on, on Ancestry.com. Excellent. Is, or from their like records of like, yeah. you know, births and deaths. Yeah. Um, people with this surname in the US have unusually short life expectancies. Oh, there you go. So it's so it's unsurprising. Yeah. Disproportionate number of uh, millstone crushings. Exactly. <laughs> From people named Corbs. Uh, that's all I found about Mr. Corbs' name. Okay. Do you have anything else to ask or should we move on? I think we should move on because I think that answers all my queries. Does it? No. <laughs>
Brothers Grimm claim in their notes that the story is from the district of Maine, but we have heard it in Hesse also. Uh, their main source is Jeanette Hapsenflug, which I'm definitely pronouncing correctly. Mm-hmm. She told them the story. Yeah. Uh, but crucially, the final line, Mr. Corbs must have been a very wicked man, was only added in the 1837 third edition, Adam. So the third edition. Okay. Originally, for two editions, it just ended. Mr. Corbs was crushed to death. The end. So obviously they felt it was too dark. And they were sure. like, oh, this is a bit much. Oh, uh, Mr. Corbs must have been a very wicked man. They added that at the they end. justified it. Do, so do they want you to think that this pack of ragamuffins yeah. are the goodies? Exactly. That's what that line implies, doesn't yeah. it? It's suggesting he deserved it. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense. Who's saying that? Who's yeah. saying that final <laughs> line? Who said that? <laughs> who said that? <laughs> the millstone's like, who said that? Who's <laughs> Chanticleer and Partlet are like, what? <laughs> wasn't us. Oh, dear. Yeah, so they're, you know, they're always tinkering with the stories and changing them, and they're constantly revising them and editing them, and sometimes just sticking in new lines. So just, you know, maybe it just, oh, that's too, that's too dark, too nasty. Mm-hmm. Let's just uh, make it so that uh, murdering Mr. Corpse was okay. Yeah, sure. So actually, I think if you strip that back, I'm thinking Mr. Corpse is innocent. You know, that was, mm. that was some forged evidence. Oh, yeah, completely. I, I think the case is reopened on yes, Mr. Corpse. definitely. I don't think he deserved it. Yeah. Uh. I mean, it's not a tough case to crack, is it? A bloke's lying dead with a millstone on him. I think he was crushed by a millstone. A case closed again? Well, are you... Are you? But who pushed the millstone? What? No, the millstone did it himself. Are you okay? No. <laughs> Quite like in the German version, the cock speaks in rhyme as well. <gasps> Whereas in our translation, it's just in prose. Do, do, uh, there's no English translation of the rhyme, is there? There is, actually. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> what do you mean, do I want to hear it? Of course I do. <laughs> Okay, I've got the very first ever translation. So okay. when, it was, they, when it first came over to England, they, they gave it a go. The very first translation of the first edition? Of the second edition. Right, okay. And I say translation, it was very loosely translated. Uh-huh. I mean, it has to be, especially with rhyme, doesn't it? Because yeah, <laughs> you have to take a bit of license to make it rhyme in another language. I hope you enjoy this. I mean, it doesn't add anything. But, and, uh, uh, I'm going to enjoy it. Just, um, yeah, imagine uh, the rhyming cock. So the cat met them said, where are you going? And Chanticleer replied, all on our way, a visit to pay to Mr. Corbs the fox today. Oh yeah, he was a fox. He was a fox. Whoa, what do you mean this doesn't add anything? I'm sorry, it does add so much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This has blown the case wide open. Okay, they very loosely translated it. This is Edgar Taylor, the bloke who first translated the stories in 1823, I believe. he decided... He thought, you know what? Hair fox? Hair corbs? Hair corbs. Is a fox. Exactly. Yeah. He's not in the German. Edgar, in his mad mind, decided to think he was a fox. Do you know what? I think that makes sense. (laughs) Matt's looking at me like, in what way does that make sense? (laughs) So, the natural mortal enemy... Of a chicken and a cockerel would be a fox, oh, you're right? So right. And this makes me think of a classic. One of my favourite stories growing up was a story by Dick Kingsmith, okay, called the Foxbusters. <laughs> and actually, I actually read this recently. <laughs> Didn't expect that name. <laughs> and uh, it's about chickens that are being uh, that live on this farm and being picked off by these foxes. And so they decide they're going to form a battle plan to get rid of the foxes. 
Sounds amazing. And it's amazing. It's an amazing book. And uh, this is like an extension of that, isn't it? Is these yeah. chickens have gathered together in Motley Crew yeah. to dispatch with their mortal enemy, yeah. Mr. Corbs, the wicked fox. I think I gave Edgar Taylor a very short shrift. Shrift, yeah. Because I just like, oh, Edgar, come on, mate. You just <laughs> stop changing everything. Yeah. But you're right, actually. So if we think of it as a fox, it, changes it has everything. more of a poetry, more of a... It makes sense. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it, it makes sense in that world. And it also puts it in a separate little world that's fantastical. Whereas if it's a human, it's just a bit weird. Is Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, interesting. You know what? I say that it's not a fox in German. I'm pretty sure it's not a fox in German. To the point where, if you remember in the pack of ragamuffins, we had um, that message from Anne Christen who said yeah. every single one of the seven versions of the Grimm's fairy tales are available on Wikisource in German. Yes. I'm pretty sure I went on the German Wikisource and tried to see, because I wanted to see how much it changed. Yeah. And I think I looked to see if it had the word, German word for fox and it didn't. But what is the German word for fox? Don't know. <laughs> so, exactly. If a German listener knows any differently, please uh, feel free to get in contact and tell us if in German, Mr. Corpse is a fox. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually itching to know. Please let us know. Grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. All on our way. A visit to pay to Mr. Corpse the fox today. Then the cat said, take me with you. Chanticleer said, oh, with all my heart, get up behind and be sure you don't fall off. <clears throat> Take care of this handsome coach of mine, nor dirty my pretty red wheels so fine. Now mice be ready and wheels run steady. We are going to visit to pay to Mr. Corbs the Fox today. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I told you didn't add much. That's nice though, isn't it? It's sweet. <laughs> it's sweet they're off to murder a fox. So last time we talked a little bit about Chanticleer, right? Yes. So I said he's like, that's the fairy tale name for a cock. Right. Yes. If you remember. I do remember. So I've had a little bit more of a look into Chanticleer. Uh-huh. So do you want to explore Chanticleer a little more? I would, because I said in the last episode, yeah. well, not the last episode, but the last time we saw mm-hmm. Chanticleer, that I thought I recognised Chanticleer somehow. Yeah. Well, let's see if uh, yeah, what, what I've discovered really is any what I'm excited to find out. Chanticleer. All right, so there are a few ways in which you might have come across this name in your everyday life. Chanticleer is weirdly popular in sports and maritime pursuits. Excuse me? So Chanticleer is the name of mascots for a few American university sports teams. Okay. Which I accidentally found out when I downloaded a podcast called Chanticleer, and it was all about, like, an American football league. (laughs) You were very confused, (laughs) I I imagine. But most excitingly of all, and I can't believe I didn't realise this, the French national rugby team, uh-huh. their nickname is Les Chanticleers. Les Chanticleers. And their logo is a cockerel. <gasps> so one of the world's best rugby teams wow. is nicknamed Les Chanticleers. I'd ne- I didn't know that. I'd never come across that before. That's amazing. Kind of incredible. So yeah. there's, a, there's a connection with Chanticleer in sport for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. In terms of uh, on the high seas... There was an 1808 British warship called HMS Chanticleer. Okay. And there was a 1917 US warship called USS Chanticleer. Uh, And it's also the name of a class of submarine rescue vessels. They're called Chanticleers. What? I don't know. (laughs) I can't... This, I mean... This brings up more questions than answers. (laughs) Exactly. 
There's a 12-man... You know, this might be uh, where you've heard Chanticleer before. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a 12-man vocal orchestra from San Francisco oh, this called, is ringing all the bells. called Chanticleer. Uh, on their website, they describe themselves as America's a cappella pride and joy. <laughs> and uh, their founder was apparently reading uh, Chaucer, which has a story about uh, Chanticleer. We'll come across that shortly. Okay. And he was like, I like that. And he called uh, the vocal orchestra Chanticleer. Chanticleer. Uh, there's also, I don't know, maybe this is where you've come across it before. There's a 1970s sci-fi book called The Book of the Dun Cow. Oh, yeah. Uh, which <laughs> has Chanticleer as the main character. I don't know if you, do you read that? Uh, the what? The Book of the Dun Cow? The Book of the Dun Cow. A Dun Cow. Did you read that? Oh, Dun Cow. Yes, I was thinking of a different book. Uh, no. Okay. What? All right. Well, maybe finally, the only other thing I've got is um, apparently there's a type of pear tree from China called the Chanticleer. Do you own one of those? I don't, I'm oh, afraid. That's a shame. That might be where I've heard it, though. <laughs> Uh, not sure why it's called pears? Chanticleer. Maybe because it's the colour is like red and crimson and orange in the autumn, like most trees. Uh, so they're rooster colours? Don't know. Oh, the the tree, not the pear. Yes. Right, okay. Any of that ring any bells? Uh, all of it. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. Should we go a little bit deeper then? Let's go <laughs> deeper into <laughs> the world of Chanticleer. So I, I tried to look at the origins of Chanticleer okay. a little, in a little more depth. Uh-huh. So that was some stuff from the modern world. The name Chanticleer comes from Old French Chanter or Chanter, which means sing, and Claire, which means clear. Clear singing. Sing clear. Yeah. Sing clear. Exactly. Which makes sense for that a cappella band. Oh, like exactly. it all comes together, doesn't it? <laughs> but where did Chanticleer come from? As far as I believe. An egg. He first <laughs> He first appeared in medieval times along with our old friend. Raynard the Fox. Right. Do you remember Raynard? Oh, of course I remember Raynard. Do you want to remind me about Raynard? Raynard is a cheeky fox. I mean, what, do you, what else do you want to know about Raynard? Basically, yeah, Renard, the, the story of Renard the fox was a popular story for hundreds of years in Western Europe from about the 12th century. And the first place, I think the first place we came across Renard was in a... So not a Brothers Grimm story, but you read a story from, uh, now I'm going to forget his name, the French... Uh, Jean French, de la Fontaine. Jean de la, Jean de la Fontaine. The French fabulist. And the, it's an amazing story, this one. Uh, it's, it is an amazing story, the, yep. the fox in the well. That was it, yeah. And it's an amazing story. It was uh, beautiful. It's incredible. That was in an extra Grimm. That was in... That's right, I forget Aunt, which episode. It was the Arne Thompson Uther episode right yeah so that's where we first met him and then we came across him because there's a lot of foxy stories in the brothers Grimm. There if are. you want to go look through our back catalogue so in the wider story of renard yeah there's a an episode which is chanticleer and renard that was popular in its own right so there's a little sort of chapter about renard and chanticleer okay so this is a very old story that dates back to at least the 12th century. Shall I give you the basic premise of that story? Yes. So obviously there are loads of versions, but this is the basic plot of Chanticleer and Renard the Fox. Okay. Or the Cock and the Fox. Can't wait. So Chanticleer lives on a farm with a sort of harem of hens. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's treasured by the like poor elderly widow who owns the farm. Sure. And lives there with her daughters. Uh, I think he has a nightmare about some orange beast, but he just ignores that. Who does? The Chanticleer. Okay. 
A few days later, he meets the fox out for a walk. Basically, Charles have an amazing life on this farm. Oh, Everybody cool. loves uh, it him. It sounds like it. <laughs> a few days later, he meets the fox. The fox flatters his singing. Oh. And he's clever. so happy. Of course he is. That he boastfully goes to sing. And when he sings, the fox grabs him by the throat <gasps> and runs off. The widow and her daughters, they hear all this. And they give chase and they set all the dogs out and they're chasing down Renard the fox. Yep. While they're running away with uh, Chanticleers in the fox's uh, mouth, he says to the fox, why don't you turn and boast to the, to the pursuers how clever you are that you've caught me? So Renard stops and he tries, and as he goes to do that, he opens his mouth and Chanticleer flies up a tree. Nice. The fox then tries to coax him down with flattery, but Chanticleer says that flattery will no longer work. He's learned his lesson. Excellent. That's like a fable. Exactly, yeah. Interesting you should say that. Because, although this is part of the uh, Renard the Fox story, there's suggestions that it, this story was a separate story that might have evolved out of a version of the Aesop fable. Excellent. The Fox and the Crow. And it was subsumed into the oh. Reynard literary cycle. Fox and the Crow, okay. So a literary cycle's like uh, you have a basic story and a, and a list bunch of characters. And yeah. it can just appear in many different forms and changes and evolves over time. Kind of like a fairy tale. There's lots yeah. of different versions. Sure. So this might have been subsumed into that literary cycle. Interesting. And we may well come across that story at some point in, yeah. uh, in Grim Fables, our patron-only podcast. <laughs> Excellent plugging. Oh, smooth, wasn't it? You didn't even notice. <laughs> in the early 14th century, Geoffrey yep. Chaucer, the scourge of schoolchildren, he adapted the story of Chanticleer and Renard as one of his Canterbury tales Ooh. into a story called The Nun's Priest's Tale. The Nun's Priest's, Priest's tale. tale. The Tale of the Priest of the Nun. Exactly. Okay. I'm pretty sure we've come across that before. What? How oh. sure, as sure as I was when I said we'd come across Chanticleer before? Definitely, because I seem to remember you saying... The tale belongs to the priest, belongs to the nun. <laughs> I just made the same observation. I think we came across it, actually, when we were talking about Renard the Fox, so in the Fox Quadrilogy. So it's Chaucer who popularised the story in a wider sense. And that's right. how people know the story of the fox and the cock today, from Chaucer. And my knowledge of Chaucer isn't great. What time period is Chaucer knocking about? I'm going to say <laughs> late, late 1300s, okay. I think. Yeah. Right. Okay. So a little bit after it originally appeared, but well, well, well before... Yeah, we're talking Middle Ages. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's the journey of Chanticleer from Aesop to the 1100s in Europe to Geoffrey Chaucer to our, to our podcast. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's been around the houses. Now, you may have noticed that I didn't get any Shakespeare in there. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. But are you ready to watch the somersault? <laughs> are you ready for this? I can't wait. <laughs> so the Reign of the Fox story. Uh-huh. It's all about this fox tricking his way up to the top of this royal court of animals. Yeah. One of the characters is Chanticleer the Cock. Another character is called Tibbet, or Tybalt, the Prince of Cats. <gasps> the Prince of Cats, that famous Shakespeare play. <laughs> so, <laughs> and if you hear this and you're going to name a cat and you don't name it Tibbet, shame on oh, you. Oh, Tibbet. In Romeo and Juliet, there's a Capulet character <gasps> called Tybalt, whom Mercutio often calls the Prince of Cats. Boom. What? There's Shakespeare. He's borrowed from the Renard the Fox story. The Prince of Cat. So, 
Are you going to work in Shakespeare no matter how torturous the route? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I look forward to it. I mean, to be honest, that wasn't even that torturous. I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> Just wait. It's about, it's going to get, it's going to get painful. <laughs> so, let me get that straight. So, <laughs> no, I've already lost track. Go from Chanticleer. Mr. Tibbles or whatever it was. Mr. No, no, start at Chanticleer. Chanticleer is a, a cockerel. Not from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> there once was an egg. Um, okay, Chanticleer was in... What was he in? Oh, he was in Reynard the Fox. Yeah. That tale. Yeah. Is that Chaucer? No. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's part yeah, of it. It's he, part it's of one, that one retelling cycle. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. You see, I'm learning. You are learning. Um, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> and then there's a character in there who is a cat. Yeah. Called, called Mr. Tibbet. Mr. Tibbet. Mr. Corbs Tibbet. Okay. Uh, he's just Tibbet. And there's a character called Mr. Tibbet in <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Pretty much. Uh, and he's called the Prince of Cats. Or something. I mean, I've, I've roughly got it, right? <laughs> That's perfect. What is torturous about that? <laughs> I ask you. So, does that lead us neatly on to scores? I don't know how neatly, but yes, it does. <laughs> it leads us on in some fashion. In a homemade carriage down the, <laughs> down the track of fairy tales, neatly yeah. on to the scores. Absolutely. So. Do you remember what you gave the pack of ragamuffins? Eight. It doesn't have the same impact wow. as the initial story. Brutal. I fell in love with the characters and I'm getting more of the same. And maybe it's diminishing returns. Um, but still amazing. So I gave it eight last time. I think it deserves a seven this time. Seven. Yeah. Which is a good score. Let's not let's not downplay it. Lest it's a good score. We forget. Yes. Oh yeah, because we've we've remember we've reset for this series. I mean we haven't at all. No. But the idea was like five is is good. It's a possible. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. And then if you're getting up past seven, it's massive. It's it's the same story, but with a few tweaks. I mean, very entertaining. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't want that. It, it hits all the right you know, marks. It's got Chanticleer in part. It's got a pin and a needle. It's got an egg doing something weird. Mm. Uh, it's got a carriage. Yeah. So it's got all of that. Yeah. Um, but it's just not got enough to justify a, a sequel. <laughs> uh, I think, mm. anyway. But still great. Love those characters. Often I think, Adam's not going to like this, and then you love it. It's yeah. rare I think, this is in the bag, this yeah. one. Okay, because I know what you mean. We've, we've, it is a similar story to the pack of ragamuffins. Yeah. But it does escalate. Oh, for sure. I mean, they kill a man. <laughs> yes. What a fox. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And also, I do feel that was the most insane story we've ever read. Oh, right, and forgetting you made this claim, you might be right. You might be right. And I know that you love a mad one. I do. I do love a mad <laughs> You're one. You're always up for a mad one. I'm always. Uh, oh, that's, that's confused me. Okay. Um, it's thrown you completely. Because I thought you were going to give it a much higher score than me. I'm going to give that a 6.5. Okay. And I think I feel a little bit harsh doing that because I did feel it was... 
utterly nuts. I've never read anything like that in my life, <laughs> and I'm not sure I will again. And even the fact that it was jarring at the end with that really shoehorned in little message to make yeah. it all okay. It was quite like very that. bad. I like that as well because it's just like another little slap in the face. What? what, what? They killed him? <laughs> Wait, what? He's a bad guy? Wait, who is he? You know, I'm going to give it a seven. <laughs> He's changed his mind. No, changed my mind. You talked yourself my... out of it. Yeah. You're giving it a seven. Good yeah. one. Well, it's been lovely. I'm, I'm glad I popped over and the, the fire's been lovely. Uh, I'm sorry you were a little bit disappointed with the story. Not disappointed, no. Okay. Not, not right. at all. I, I got to spend some time with my favourite characters. I'd like to give a shout out as well to our friend, our mutual friend, Kane Taylor, for his invaluable help. Uh, with the research for this episode, I couldn't have done it without him. So thanks, Kane. Thanks very much, Kane. I'm gonna I'm gonna canter off, but I'll be okay. seeing you next time for. You don't remember, do you? I don't remember. Sweetheart Roland. <gasps> Roland and Maybird. <laughs> I can't wait. So get ready for that. Wow. I'll bid you adieu. Good night, sir. It's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. I will see you next time. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on podbean at podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.